Support the podcast by buying a copy of The Shadline Rises by me, Eric Kent Edstrom. Available on Apple, Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, anywhere ebooks are sold. Also available in a beautiful paperback. Chapter 22. You Can't Make Me. Kill's library lay deep beneath Kill's fifth of the garden tower, beyond a stretch of black crypts. The air was musty and silent, and the barrel-vaulted ceilings created weird echoes that doubled their footsteps, making Kyla's hackles rise. I swear we're being followed, Quinn said, her final word whispering back twice from the corridor behind them. Nax had found the needed staircase. Kyla had unlocked the great double doors using her father's lockpick kit and a bit of Mercus vision. The air inside the library was stale but dry. Their feet kicked up clouds of dust that swirled in Henley's Mercus light. Though the long chamber was dug deep beneath ground level, there was a light present. Kyla crept forward, Henley and Quinn trailing. Kyla wondered if Quiv had decided to come rummaging through her books despite her demands. But he wasn't there. A single candle burned on a reading table, the surface of which was covered with a thick layer of dust. Quiv hadn't mentioned a candle, but that didn't mean much. He had been absorbed in his theories about the gods at the time. Perhaps the candle was Mercusine. In fact, Kyla was certain it was. But why not use Mercus lights? She remembered long ago, or so it seemed, sitting in Finta Song's tidy kitchen, a strange candle between them. She bent to inspect the wax. Black as night. The smoke smelled familiar, too. It's a Mercus black, she said. Finta had one. It clouds the murkus so those who can feel the spark will not find us here. She said the smoke offered some protection, too, if inhaled. Tendrils of it began to climb from the wick and wove with eerie intelligence toward Kyla and Henley. Henley tried to wave it away, but his motions had no effect. The smoke burned a bit. Kyla felt her murkus fading. Alarmed, she backed away from the candle. Put that thing out. Though dulled, she still sensed her power. She reached for it, formed the bolts to make her own light. It wasn't as easy as it should be. Can a candle burn for a thousand years? Quinn asked, blowing it out. The wick sizzled and Kyla thought she heard a whispered cry as the last reddish glow faded to ash. Can a man live at the top of an abandoned tower for ages, waiting for me to arrive? Kyla countered. So many books, Henley said. There were dozens of shelves, each laden down with thick tomes. Along one wall, an enormous rack of narrow cubbies, each holding a scroll. Kyla pulled a tall volume from the nearest shelf. There were hundreds just like it. Ledgers, boring. Kyla moved on. Henley called, The tavern keeps book of bodies. Keep that one out, Quinn said. The tomes were leather-bound for the most part. Some were attached to their spots by chains, each with a delicate lock. A few had embossed titles on the spines, but most did not. 
There were no markings on the shelves to indicate why they were placed where they were placed. Kyla moved to another shelf and pulled Silentine, City of Spice. Inside, maps. Each a detailed section of a city. The streets and wells were labeled in tidy letters. At the back, a fold-out sheet showed the entire city and surrounding land. Kyla had never heard of Silentine, and nothing on the map gave her the first idea where it might have been. Perhaps the name had changed and it was now jealousy or tearling. She put it back and pulled out the one next to it, a soul in search of satisfaction. She cracked it open, observed a page full of rather disturbing drawings, then immediately slammed it shut. Wasn't expecting it to be that sort of satisfaction, she murmured. The book immediately to the right of that one was so heavy, Kyla needed both hands to drag it free. Hugging it to her chest, she hefted it to a standing table at the end of the aisle. The book thumped down, sending a cloud of dust swirling up. The particulates choked her and she was overtaken by a coughing fit so bad her friends came running to see if she was dying. I'm fine, she croaked, waving a hand at the cloud of dust. This place needs a hearty scrubbing. What did you find? Henley asked, peering at the enormous book. Who knows? There's no order to any of this. He opened the book. Kyla saw gold and rich reds and blues. Beautiful, Quinn said, awed. Illuminated by monks. The frontispiece showed a woman with scarlet hair standing in profile. A huge cloak covered with black feathers hung from her shoulders. There was a sharpness in the depiction, ears, nose, shoulders coming to unnatural points. Kyla didn't think it was meant to be an accurate depiction, but a stylized one. It was art, she supposed. Along the bottom, huge gold-leafed letters gave her a name. Kyla's skin flashed cold to read it here, so soon after Highest Quiv had mentioned her. Elysian whose diary Kyla had so recently seen. The first race queen of Sigil Tyne. Inside, page after illuminated page of Ennish writing. A history. That's a keeper, but it's not what I'm looking for, Kyla said. She scratched her scalp. The new growth there itched, and the layer of dust that had now settled on her skin made it worse. I want a book of Kill's Doctrine, you would think such would be displayed prominently. Many copies, too. One would think, Quinn said, making her posh Griston cider tongue trip over the words to mock Kyla's accent. Kyla had been trying to speak more uppity as of late. As much as she'd like to use Cheap's talk all day, it never seemed to have the effect she desired, which usually was to irritate someone. I don't make fun of your sailor mouth cursing, Lady Pauline. Yes, you do. You do that all the time. Quinn wandered to the next aisle, tipping volumes out and scanning them before returning them. Kyla knew she was trying to help find the doctrine, but her true aim was to find more Shadline lore. Henley went to the scroll cubbies. These are very crumbly. I don't think we should unroll these until we get a reader to advise us. A what? Kyla called. She had picked up where she'd left off. Why wander when every book was Paul's choice? A reader. It's a type of don'tsmaster who curates libraries. 
Before I escaped Till's Tower, I thought of pursuing that path. You'd trust a Donesmaster in here? Wouldn't he declare it all wrong and confiscate it? Not if Highest Quiv tells him not to. The next book Kyla selected was a slim volume, and not very tall. Its cover was wrinkled and stained. It looked like it had been rescued from a flood. The pages had a crinkly quality, though they had been mashed to flatness by virtue of being squeezed among the other books around it. The frontispiece was blank. The second page was blank. The third page was blank. Every page was blank. She was about to return it to the shelf when she changed her mind and placed it on top of the one about Elysian. Maybe she would start a diary. Did any readers survive the collapse of Till's Tower? She asked. Nobody knew. This could take a handful of ten days, Kyla said. I want to be in Starside by then. You going to swim? Quinn asked. The Docktowners weren't expecting another ship for three or four days, maybe longer. Frustration was making Kyla's nose and scalp itch worse. And something else. A different sort of itch. There was a Mercus feet growing above her. Far above. She quieted her mind and felt the Mercus sparks in the tower. There were many, mostly concentrated in Paul's fifth. But the most powerful were at the top of the tower. Together. What sort of knot are they weaving? She said under her breath. It's the voluptuary in the coin, Henley said, looking at the ceiling as if he could see through it. And I believe highest quiv, too. Well, since they're all together, I'm going back upstairs. I think I know how to arrange things so we can leave. She scooped up her books and marched out. Nax trailed after her, leaving tiny prints in the dust next to the larger scuffs from humans' feet. The cat sneezed and snorted, then demanded to be carried. Her companions followed her out, each carrying a few selections of their own. How are you going to arrange things, Quinn said. When Kyla didn't answer, she grew imperious. Kyla, answer me. How are you going to... Kill's teeth, you sure can be stubborn. Henley's snickers were abruptly silenced. Kyla wasn't looking, so she could only guess that Quinn had rewarded him with one of her icy glares. Nobody could freeze someone with their eyes as well as the Lady Pauline. Kyla had made a study of the technique. It required no mercusine, but merely a trick of the muscles around the eyes. She'd never quite gotten it, probably because she wasn't beautiful like her raven-haired friend. Beauty could be the coldest quality. Kyla could almost feel that very chill striking her back as she climbed toward her apartments. But she was not about to share her plan with Quinn because Quinn would try to talk her out of it. Once in her apartment, she stuffed her books into her backpack, which lay next to the coin bag. The strong Mercus sparks were concentrated close by. Closing her eyes, she sank into the Mercusine, allowing her senses to sharpen. She had remembered Highest Quiv's story of a secret passage from the basement of Till's Fifth into Kill's Fifth. He'd also said there were other such passages between the Fifths. The tower was round, which meant that all the Fifths shared a central core. But what was in that core? Surely not solid stone. Kyla didn't know how a secret door worked, but she knew it would have hinges. 
and so, with her Mercus vision showing her all the metal in her vicinity, she scanned the narrowing where her apartment met with the central core of the tower. What she sought could not have shined brighter or been more obvious. Hidden hinges. She went to the section of wall, stone block, or so it appeared. But opposite the hinges was a latch, hidden behind the wall. There was no handle, which meant it required Mercusine efforts to move. It moved easily at her command. A section of the wall rasped and swung inward. It stopped when the slightest gap had been revealed, just wide enough for a person to slip through. Her companions shouted warnings. Kyla squeezed through and shoved the door closed, slamming the latch back into place. Her Mercus light was already ablaze. She was in a perfectly circular room, and it was occupied. I thought I sent some sneaky sparks in here, she said to Highest Quiv, Voluptuary Min, and Coin Inlina. They were all too composed to betray any caught-pinching bread dismay, though the feet they'd been cooking up dissolved. I told you she'd sniff us out, Highest Quiv said. He plucked a fat disc from the table and held it out to Kyla. This is yours. Still shamed by Sly's death, Kyla couldn't sustain much snooty disapproval about them meeting behind her back. Voluptuary Min had her hands folded in her lap, the picture of equanimity. But Kyla felt mistrust and dislike as she approached to take the disc. Each of them had a similar disc, the size of a saucer and thick as a theb. Heavy, too. It glowed in Kyla's Mercus vision, reddish with iron. Lodestone, she said. A sheathing of gold alloy encased it, one side embossed with a crown, the tines shaped like spear points. Just like the crown she wore in Docktown etching prints. The symbol of the way of kill? Quiv nodded and held his so she could see the insignia. The father god's hand, a hand palm out with a crown above the center finger. The voluptuary made no effort to show hers to Kyla, but it was face up on the table. The circle atop a staff, just like atop the bell tower of the baths in Starside. The coins showed the two profiles of Paul, smiling and frowning, joined at the back of the head. The key to opening this room from your chambers, Quiv said. The lodestone is just strong enough to release the latch through the wall. And you had mine? It was thought wise to wait until we had time to assess what sort of highest you would become. And how often do you meet here? Rarely, the coin said. Highest Flay had nothing but disdain for us. I occasionally met with the previous voluptuaries. Kyla weighed the lodestone key in her hand. Any of you could move the latch without this. You have sufficient Mercus power, especially you, Coin and Lena, with all those hellers. But not the skill, Quiv said. You have revealed that our studies have hampered our progress. Voluptuary Min said, She's revealed the dangers of using demonic senses. I'm not the first who has manifested feelings into Mercus bolts, Kyla said. Feeling a bit more confident, she went to the empty space at the round table. There was no chair there. Hadn't been one there for a thousand years. She clunked her lodestone key onto the table, claiming her spot. 
But such isn't required to move the latch. That feat uses nothing but touch. Why can't you do it? It was Quiv she locked onto now. He cleared his throat. I have made every effort to move objects. Since I awakened to the spark when I was just five, I have moved a gold raven coin twice. Barely. Highest Flay accomplished a much greater feat on his way to kill me, the coin said. A boulder through the wall separating our fifths. But he had both you and Eeples as force taps, along with several hellers. Brute force, Quiv said, nodding. They were spending a lot of time on the topic. They were humoring her. Kyla realized that she had diverted attention from their scheming. I'll teach you, the best I can, she said. But first I have an offer to make you three. They said nothing, merely waiting for her to speak. Highest Quiv, I request the services of a reader, one you trust, to catalog and organize my library. Before the other two could object, the coin and the voluptuary can assign representatives to observe and assist these efforts, to make sure no volumes go wandering. Why, Quiv said, though his eyes shone with eagerness, I wish to find books regarding the true doctrine of the way of kill. All we know is what your ways have said. So you doubt that the despised gods stood for violence, hatred, and greed? Voluptuary Min asked. I do. Even the name despised god has the stink of a brand burn. A cow doesn't choose its brand, does it? No, the cattleman burns its hide to suit his own needs. I knew a boy in Cheapskate who gave everyone nasty nicknames. Some of them stuck. Stinky Simon, Cryin' Jojo. They became stinky and crying forever after. What did he call you? The coin asked. There was a slight smile on her lips. Kyla suspected she knew what Kyla said was true. He called me chicken legs. I bent his little finger back until it snapped. After that, he called me Kyla. Is that what you mean to do to us? Break our fingers? Voluptuary men seemed set on being obtuse. I only wish to understand the truth of kill, if it can even be known. Somewhere in that library there must be texts about the doctrine of kill. I'd settle for learning what the acolytes or devotees were called. I can answer that, Quiv said. They were called votaries. The analogue to Donesmaster was spear. I've seen depictions in my studies. They carried spears as staves. Lady Quinn Pauline believes the garden will soon be overrun with folk seeking to join the way of kill. I wish to be prepared for these votaries. I need doctrine, true doctrine, structure, rules, and activities to keep them from hurting anyone. Quiv raised an eyebrow. He'd warned her she'd need all those things. The coin leered at her. It was a smile, but cold and strange in that woman's hard face. I told them there was wisdom in that pretty bald skull of hers. We were just discussing that very thing, Highest Quiv said. Weren't we, voluptuary men? The woman gave a grudging lift of her shoulder, unwilling to concede anything. My next request is to you, voluptuary. I cannot look after Dunipples properly, but since the Vazan would give any Merculin access to his power— I can't imagine Paul or Till would tolerate you having sole stewardship over him. Kyla wiped a bit of sweat from her forehead. She was hearing herself talk, but couldn't believe how snobbishly grissensider she sounded. Stewardship, she sent to Nax. What's happening to me? 
Nax was sitting in the shadows, grooming her feet. You worry about exceptionally boring things. There was no denying the truth of that. I propose the three of you work out a way to keep Eeples safe from each other. Voluptuary Min has placed wards on the Vazan to prevent anyone but her from accessing its power, but I doubt they're impenetrable. The head of Ori's way frowned, but she didn't object. Eeples is like a dead man. He no longer rages, but has slipped into a wine-soaked hopelessness. He must stand trial for his crimes, the coin said. I'm surprised my counterparts have not already demanded it. Min sighed. Vengeance is not justice, is not healing. Probably a quote from the Theb. I would tend to agree with the coin, Quiv said, but I had opportunity to study the man while he was quelled in the tower. I also saw what he manifested upon the Ash Barons. Dunneeples wasn't acting as a clear-minded man. Again, Quiv seemed to agree with something Kyla had intuitively understood. How strange to find herself allied with the way of Till. She needed to be even more wary of the man. He was as sneaky as a domain. But he raised a recurring thought in Kyla's mind. Something had happened to Eeples before she ashed the thinnies. Something had gotten into his mind before that. The ashing was like the release lever on a flickbow. Not the cause of his madness, but merely the event that allowed it to overtake him. She needed to find out what the man had been doing before he'd been assigned to help the thinnies with their mysterious sickness. This is all very impressive, highest sigh, the coin said. But why do I feel like this is all a prologue to your true aim? Because it is. I'm leaving the garden. Quiv smiled. I told you. I told you and you didn't believe me. Bending your role will not relieve you of it, the coin said. The voluptuary said nothing. Her bright blue eyes were locked on the middle distance. She had picked up her lodestone disc and was absently spinning it on edge before her. And who will rein in these new arrivals? Who will you post to oversee their activities? The coin was full of questions, but she knew full well what Kyla was going to say. You, of course, Kyla said, with representatives from the other two ways to assist. You expect us to teach your vile doctrine? The voluptuary asked. And where will you be? You don't know if my doctrine is vile or not. I don't expect you to teach them anything but discipline. I also expect you will do all in your power to lure the best candidates to your own ways. I welcome that, in fact. You have the perfect person for such a task in Spin Morina. Quiv sucked in a sharp breath and nodded. His eyes showed the light of respect, probably a put-on to trick her. She went on, I will learn what Flamishtak teaches, but I do not expect to stay on Garden Island a moment longer than I must. The first ship that can take me north will have me on it. To where? the voluptuary asked. Starside, and then onward to Serenhell. She hadn't meant to tell them that much, but proving she had a plan, as much of one as she could ever have, seemed important. I am going to find the Hargath. It was the voluptuary who laughed now, a sad and ironic little laugh through her nose. <laughs> I must admit, highest quiv, 
You have better insight into her mind than I do. She turned her bright eyes to Kyla, finally. There was sadness there, and a searing intensity. You should face a tribunal of the ways for the murder of sensual sly. A tribunal to be judged for her actions. What punishment would they dole out? Highest Quiv leaned toward the voluptuary. I was there. I suffered the same assault. As terrible as it was, it was not intentional. Is a punishment warranted? Yes. You said yourself that vengeance isn't justice, isn't healing. I don't seek anything but the last bit. Healing. If found guilty, her penance would be to refrain from using her power for anything but healing. For the rest of her life. Unenforceable, the coin said dismissively. If only it were possible. Kyla said, When I return, I'll allow the tribunal. Quiv made slow down motions with his hands and shook his head. The voluptuary nodded, not with appreciation, but with solemn acceptance of Kyla's promise. Will you promise bind your vow? That would give me the assurance I need. Beware, Nax said. Of what? I don't know. Be wary. A flutter of nervousness came across the bond. Cats could be skittish, sometimes for no obvious reason. Kyla trusted Nax's instincts. Is it this promise-binding nonsense? I'll keep my promise anyway. Nax's response was a mix of emotional grousing and nervousness. She thought this was a trap. Maybe the whole meeting was an elaborate trick to get her to agree to the promise-binding. I think you're right, Naxie. She was a cheapskate girl. She'd seen every con there was. These people had their own aims. Controlling her through some Mercus-locked vow would serve them more than it would serve Kyla. They were all looking at her, waiting for her answer. Kyla gave it. Nax thinks you're trying to trick me into the promise-binding. Her instincts are sharp, so the answer is no. I won't submit to whatever Mercus manacles such a vow would place on me. You'll have to accept my word. I do not accept it, the voluptuary said. Kyla reconsidered the voluptuary. When they'd first met, she'd felt men would be the most cooperative, the most reasonable. The opposite had turned out to be true. But why? It wasn't just Sly's death. Sensual Sly had come just that morning to make ultimatums about Kyla and Flamishdeck. It had to be Kyla's use of the so-called demonic senses, emotion and interior feelings. Perhaps the woman knew much more about such practices than she let on. Perhaps she had seen hints of the power Kyla had not yet tapped. The girl must go, the coin pronounced. I have spun on it. Highest Quiv agrees. Even she saw to the heart of what must be done. Relinquish your personal grudge, voluptuary. Quiv spoke next. Think of your own view, voluptuary, if you were in her place. Would you allow yourself to be commanded? The voluptuary didn't answer. But in the silence was an admission that Quiv was correct. She was a strong person, not accustomed to obeying others. How does this council work? Kyla asked. Do we need to be unanimous? Doesn't matter. I'm going regardless. The coin sneered at her. You place burdens on us to curate your library, 
to be a nursemaid to your madman, and to organize your way while you are absent. Show a modicum of patience. Kyla backed from the table and joined Nax. She sat on the floor and took the cat into her lap. The three at the table conferred in whispers, but Kyla heard nothing. Apparently Highest Quiv had learned her bubble of silence trick. The voluptuary became very animated, jabbing her fingers first at the coin, then Quiv, then herself. She thumped the table with her fist and cut off the coin when she tried to interrupt. Highest Quiv nodded vigorously, agreeing that the woman's view was valid, but also showing that he thought it was beside the point. The coin removed her medallion and offered it to the voluptuary, who refused to take it. Highest Quiv rubbed his temples. Kyla watched this silent drama unfold with equal parts impatience and amusement. Did they truly think they had a decision to make? She was leaving, even if she had to take Yeeples with her. Be wary, Nax sent. I'm not going to let them promise bind me. She felt a flare of Mercus from behind the door leading to her apartments. Henley. The latch moved ever so slowly. The door swung open. Henley's shadowy shape peered in. Quinn pressed close behind him. Huff burst in. We must go, Nax sent. Why, what's... Kyla, hurry, Quinn said, waving to her. The trio at the table noticed. The silence bubble dropped. Wait, Kyla Sai, Highest Quiv called. The voluptuary smiled with grim satisfaction. The coin grinned at the voluptuary. Hurry, Naxent, pushing so much urgency through the bond that Kyla leapt to her feet and began stumbling toward her friends. Quinn had turned. She had black in her hand, dug from Kyla's backpack. Her mouth moved, but no sound came out. An enormous Mercus feet was forming beyond them. The only Merculin on Garden Island with that much power was Dunheeples. Kyla squeezed through the opening. Kyla, don't go that way, Quiv called. The cats darted through and Henley pulled the door closed. You ready to fight? Is it Eeples? Yes and no. I can feel his flavor here, but his power is being controlled by someone else. The Vazan. She should never have left the man alone with Penny at Kill's Keep. But with the Vazan warded by the voluptuary, she hadn't feared anyone would... The voluptuary. She'd known Kyla was here in Garden Tower. She must have sent someone east to the keep with instructions for disabling the ward, giving them access to Yeeple's power. Her act in the secret chamber had only one purpose— to stall Kyla until Yeeple's power could be brought to bear. Henley cursed. There are several source tap circles forming. I think all the surviving sensuals and novitiates. They've blocked the stairwell down from here. Trapped. Unless she wanted to fight. She sank into the Mercusine, feeling for the threat. Three Merculans approached, all aflame with power. They would be no match for her but she didn't want to hurt anyone. Quinn, put that blade down. Her friend's head jerked around in surprise. She began to mouth an objection. I did not return it to you. Put it down right now. Kyla was tempted to enforce her words with mercusine commands, but she would never resort to that again. Not against a friend. Quinn held the sheath in her left hand. She looked at it, swallowing hard. 
Slowly, she thrust the blade home and dropped it. Kyla pulled it to her with Mercus bolts. What do we do? Henley asked. The secret door swung open behind them. Highest Quiv stuck his head in. This way, through Paul's fifth. The Merculans were nearly to the top floor. Kyla's door here was not protected by her passphrase. With the power they were wielding, the door would blow off its hinges. Nax's warning returned to her. Next time be more specific, she sent to her little gray friend. Follow me, she said. With quick mercusine feats, she reached for her backpack. The flap lay open from Quinn's theft of black. Kane was already on her thigh. Bone chill was tucked in the pack. She slipped black in. The sack of coin flew to her necks. She caught it and stumbled backward into highest quiv. The thing was heavy. It went into her pack next to her books, and the pack went onto her shoulders. She squeezed into the secret chamber. The coin and the voluptuary were staring at each other, both surrounded by Mercus power. Only Highest Quiv had restrained himself from grasping it. Quiv pointed across the circular chamber. Kyla's Mercus vision flared, showing her the latch that would open the door to the coin's chambers. There are Merculans there, Henley warned. Kyla stopped realizing the trap. Three more source-tap circles had formed in Paul's fifth. The coin had thrown in with the voluptuary to secure the trap. Henley got it a second later. A strange ward popped over him. Kyla couldn't spare the attention to see what he'd done. Tendrils of Mercus lashed toward them both, from all sides. The coin accepted source-taps from her quarters, the voluptuary accepted the combined power of her people, save the one controlling Dunipal's Mercus. Mind-probing fingers struck at Kyla's mind. She sliced them away. Highest Quiv shouted for the women to stop. Was he true, or was he play-acting? It was the same strategy that had brought Kyla down over the Ash Barrens. She could deflect any one of the intrusions easily, but when there were five, ten, thirty... They began to take hold, worming their way toward the center of her power, seeking to quell her. Submit, the voluptuary shouted. Submit, child! The answer to Kyla's problem was simple. Cain came free of the sheath on Mercus wings. It would take two slashes and the coin and voluptuary would die. Their power would dissipate and the backlash would render the source taps dazed and confused for an hour and Kyla would be the highest of kill who slew her counterparts. And how many more would she have to slay? All of them? No, she said, sheathing Cain. I won't kill you. You can't make me. Five hooks had caught in her mind, sapping her focus. One of them was a strong allure mixed with emotion, the same thing she'd done to Sen's sly, a strong component of fear. Kyla noted that it came from voluptuary men. Submit, the woman cried. Be promised bound and you may live. No, Henley held on to Kyla. She realized she was trembling and would have fallen if not for his support. Quinn stared from one person to the next, oblivious to the Mercus battle going on all around her. A Merculin came through Kyla's door, a sensual Kyla had never met. He was lean, with a long nose. His teeth were gritted and his neck corded with his effort to maintain control over Yeeple's flows.
he held a glowing orange gem in one hand. Kyla recognized it as a sink gem, the same that Highest Flay had used to drain excess mercosine and protect himself from total annihilation. He struck with waves of chill and heat. Then the air was gone, and every breath Kyla drew did nothing to fill her lungs. Black spots appeared in her vision. The room began to tilt. Submit! Submit! the voluptuary cried. Desperation took hold. Next, come. Tell Huff to climb Henley. Henley's orange tabby scaled the boy like a tree trunk, and Nax did the same to Kyla. Gasping for air that wasn't there, Kyla reached for Quinn, gripped her forearm. Quinn's eyes went wide with understanding. Then they shut and she breathed a silent prayer. Kyla swung a scythe of Mercus to sever tendrils worming into her mind and sapping her will. And then new bolts formed, purely from her need. A blend of emotion and sensation took form. The Mercus green lifted from the floor. Kyla lifted her free hand and released it. Ice water poured over her skin, and a hollow reverberating scream followed her and her friends into dimension.